Hey, what's up, family? You're listening to Let's Grow with Jeff Whitaker, where I aim to offer practical wisdom and spiritual advice for your personal growth. On this episode of Let's Grow, I had the pleasure of speaking with Mr. Jason Grove as we talked about leading and building strong African-American communities. Jason and I addressed evident struggles black communities face and effective strategies we can employ to empower black men and women to excel. This is a discussion we all can glean from. So let's grow now and let's grow together. Let's grow, let's grow, let's grow. Thank you, everybody, for taking the time to listen to this podcast episode of Let's Grow. Listen, if you find that the content of this podcast is helping you in any way, I encourage you to subscribe and to share it with others. Uh, This podcast offers practical wisdom and spiritual advice for personal growth. And every time you share this podcast with someone else, it helps us to carry out the vision. So thank you in advance for connecting others with this content. You all are really starting to invest invest your time and invest uh, your growth, um, invest in your growth as it pertains to what we're doing. So thank y'all so much, man. Today, I'm privileged to be with long-term friend of mine, Jason Grove. Uh, He has served the African-American community in Newark, New Jersey, and has contributed to the social and economic development of African-American people. Uh, We both have something great in common. We both graduated from the greatest HBCU in the world, that is the Norfolk State University. Shout out to all my Spartans out there. Behold the green and gold. Um, I'm going to let Jason share a little bit more about what he has done and is doing to leave a mark uh, in the community that cannot be erased. Jason, I'm so glad to have you on the Let's Grow podcast, man. Thank you for taking the time to connect, man. How's life treating you? Man, listen, all is well. And behold the green and gold, <laughs> uh, all the Spartans out there and, uh, and Spartan land. So it's, it's definitely a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, but I'm excited, you know, over the last, let's say, 10 years, really, yeah. uh, since I left Virginia and moving back uh, to New Jersey, I really been focused on um, finding my way and, and creating a path in the public space. Yeah. Um, and I found a niche uh, for connecting people uh, to resources, opportunities, whether it be in the education, jobs, and social justice, criminal justice space, um, or really just uh, helping folks in the 21 to 40 demographic network with each other. Um, in the last five years, I've gotten more involved in public policy yeah. uh, and, you know, and, and more public things. And uh, I've been able to kind of cultivate a career um, in that space. And and, that, and that's important, man, because I think with a lot of the advancements uh, that we desire as an African-American community, um, it requires our people to be in position to help bring about these changes and bring about uh, several de- developments uh, for our well-being. So to see you in that capacity, man, and to know that it is a continual work, um, it's a progressive work, and we are resting on the shoulders of powerful men and women who have contributed to the community as uh, we have just um, celebrated Black History Month, and I really think it should be Black History all year long because we are a very pivotal part uh, to what has been established in our country. And uh, good to see that you are continuing on the legacy of so many powerful people who have worked in the community uh, for the betterment and advancement of African-American people. So I want to start off this conversation, man, uh, asking you this, and I'm sure some people listening are already aware of some of the challenges we face, but what would you say from your experience 
experience in the community, man, what are the challenges that uh, the Black community faces when attempting to excel uh, academically, for one, because we know there are a lot of young people, uh, young African-American boys and girls who struggle to advance, and then uh, economically, what are some challenges that you've seen that we're facing uh, that makes it hard for that to happen? So I can only speak locally here in New Jersey. You know, uh, all education systems, um, let me take a step back. Let me just say, you know, education, you know, I was brought up to believe that is the great equalizer, right? And I still think that it is, um, that that saying still holds true today. Um, You know, a book can inspire, expand perspectives and remind you of the truth that you already know. And I forget who said that quote, but if you Google it, I'm sure it'll come up. Um, Something that I really believe. um, And I think, you know, locally where I'm from in New Jersey, some of the things that I see as a person that's, you know, relatively connected in a political space and in, in the social justice space is that uh, we're still struggling and trying to unite around how best to educate children, um, what actual school setting is best for them, right. um, and w- what delivery method is best for them. Um, and now doing, uh, during, you know, COVID, like, just how do we educate them, period, right? Keep them involved as well as parents. Um Absent of COVID, um, access uh, and equity, an equitable education is something that we're still struggling with. Um, And funding um, for our school districts, particularly districts who uh, may have populations that are underserved in other areas. Um, They, you know, English is uh, not their first language. It's a second language. Um, uh, You know, uh, parents uh, or single parent households, uh, households that have one income or families that are live at or below the poverty line. You know, those are some of the, uh, the demo- that is the demographic of uh, students in, you know, local and urban communities where I'm at. Um, and some of the challenges academically is one, just making sure that they are at uh, or uh, above, uh, you know, the standard or reading level standard of excellence, right? And the right. question is, like, how do we do that? You know, what resources do we deploy? Right. You know, what, uh, you know, uh, you know, how many or how do we get teachers qualified uh, in the classroom? You know, how do we deliver content to those students? How do we create uh, a well-rounded education for them? Those are the questions that we ask. And it really right. comes back to, you know, resources, uh, in communities uh, and funding uh, for for opportunities, right? And so, what you see because of this, you know, lack of across the board funding and the needs not necessarily being met, um, and you know, this delicate balance between you know uh, the the tax base and the state funding and you know uh, and resources for schools, um, you see a number of um, how can I say? You see uh, a number of efforts, right? Right. Created by different groups of people. You know, locally, it's a uh, a discussion amongst you know traditional public schools and uh, and charter public schools, right? right? And that delicate balance there. And uh, you know, I'm not uh, well versed enough to know the, the historic background or uh, of how uh, or what benefits. I can't. I'm not going to advocate for or against, you know, public or, or charter schools, but I will say that that is the discussion and uh, how we deliver uh, a quality education to students and, uh, you know, the resources that we leverage to do that, you know, that's still one of the challenges that we face. Um, 
you know, just, just to speak to that, Jay, um, that's that's common ground, man. Um, I've noticed that in Virginia as well, because I work for the school system. It seems like there's this uneven distribution of resources. And to be honest with you, it seems like it speaks to a certain demographic of people wherein uh, I work for the city of Virginia Beach, Virginia, uh, where that, you know, they had iPads and all types of updated technology. And then in Norfolk, they were still limited. Now, I think Norfolk is progressing, but they were still limited to some of the resources they, that they had. And it's like, wait a minute, we all are in the same state. Why aren't we all getting the same resources and getting this the adequate amount of support necessary for everybody to be able to thrive? Because we have uh, young African-American boys and girls who have the same intellect as other races and who have the same ability and giftings as other races, not to say no one, not to say that we're in competition, but it's just like, can there be a fairness across the board as to what we have available to help grow us and advance us? And something you mentioned is that having some of the local initiatives come together and do things. And that's what I'm finding out even now in the pandemic, man, is that a lot of us just have to go and create our own nonprofits and solicit um, our own uh, people um, to come together and help uh, some of these schools and some of these students get what they need. Is, is that what you're finding out as well is that they're, they're having to be more local initiatives where people are just saying, hey, if the school's not going to provide for it, then let's go ahead and start our own nonprofit and let's go ahead and raise our own funds to get things done. Yeah, it's funny because, um, you know, I'm recently married and I have a, a young son. And one of the things that, you know, you know, we just bought a house. Uh, and to make it Congrats. personal, um, Thank you, man. And, and, you know, to make it personal, you know, we live in a town where, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, a relatively mixed community um, in terms of culture. Right. Um, but the education system is below uh, state standards and, you know, math and, you know, uh, English. Right. And so, you know, any, if you know anything about data, you know, you can look at that stuff and it's like, you know, how you calculate it, all of those things, but, you know, um, I was just talking to my wife that, you know, maybe it would be good for us to start a uh, a group, a support group, a parent support group, yeah. you know, for students to help encourage their academic enrichment, right? Yeah. And there's funding and there's resources and support for families like ours to do that. And, you know, because my son is, you know, he'll be two on Saturday, you know, these are the types of things that we have to think about long term. And, you know, our tax dollars go to the city, the county. Um, and so we're paying, you know, in part for, right. you know, the education system. So it's, right. it's a question of how do we make the system work for us, right? Because, right. you know, you have to uh, look at, you know, you could send your kid to, uh, you know, private school, but now you're talking um, for, you know, even at the primary grades in pre-K, thirty to $60,000 a year. Wow. You know, in some cases for these private schools, right? At least up here where I'm at in the Northeast and yeah. New Jersey. Um, and so that's a real conversation. But yeah, I think it speaks to a larger question, larger issue, is that that is the great divide. Because right, right now my son is too. And you're like, you know, there are families who can pay sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year to send this kid to primary schools, right. you know, and high schools and things like that, because they want access to the latest technology, information, yeah. you know, um, study abroad programs, the you know, qualified teachers who can have uh, conversations that challenge intellect and spur thought, all of those things, right? Um, and not to say that public schools 
don't do that, right? Or traditional public schools don't do that. But the question is that we're talking is like, you know, how do we create equitable education, right? right. You know, long-term. Um, and I think, you know, parents like myself, um, uh, you know, if we're going to leverage the resources that are available to us in our, in, you know, in our, in our schools, then I think that we, one, we, we got to have a lot of faith and we got to right. be involved. Um, right. I think we have to have a lot of faith. And I think this is where, you know, the faith-filled conversation come in and our principles come in, you know, our faith in our works. You know, we really can't leave the system, uh, let the system educate our children. We have to be active participants in it. And I think this is where, like, you know, with most things and, and a lot of faith conversations, like this is where the practical meets the spiritual. It's right. like, you know, you really, really got to get involved um, in, in, in every aspect of education and community to, to see change. Um, and because if you don't, you know, there's no work there. There's nothing that doesn't justify it, right? Believing is just not enough. Right. And that's why, man, I, not only as a basketball player, but as uh, someone who has done so much to give back to the community, that's why I love LeBron James. People can say whatever they want to say about LeBron James, uh, but he's one of my favorite players because, man, when he established his school, the I Promise School, man, it spoke volumes about what I believe should be the goal of so many people who who make it, as, as we say, um, to give back to the community in ways that the government may not give back, uh, to give back uh, to the community in ways that um, we may not necessarily see governor, governing officials working hard to uh, help uh, the Black community excel in. So uh, what you're saying is so key, man. It sounds like we really have to take ownership. We have to get into positions. We have to get into um, uh, places of influence and begin to change a narrative that we're so commonly accustomed to. Because to be honest with you, man, not a lot of uh, African-American communities even really trust and believe in our governing officials, we know prior to our current president, we went through just an interesting season uh, with um, the chief executive of the United States. Um, oh, I, I don't even want to mention his name, uh, but he continued to deepen the well of mistrust that the uh, African-American people had in this country. So it's like, I think a way to build trust for uh, our governing officials is first of all getting our people in those places and again this is not to demote another culture or race of people but I think for so long uh, we've been viewed as the inferior uh, that we wouldn't even pursue positions of power to help uh, not advance ourselves we know that positions of power are not to more so bring attention to ourselves but to give us the ability to reach back into the communities uh, to help other people so would you say that building helping to build trust for governing officials uh, do you think that Black people getting into these positions of influence will help us build trust for governing officials because I just don't feel like it's happening with the trajectory that we've been on for the last however many years. <laughs> so, you know, and this is something that I've um, I've wrestled with. <clears throat> and, you know, as a person that's, you know, worked for elected officials and been involved in community, you know, and still relatively relatively young um i think that the way that you know the our government systems work you know locally at the state level municipal level county level and, and ultimately at the federal level um i think that we must coalition build and get in the game um there's one 
if there's one thing I've learned over the past 10 years, um, working at the, the local level and now at the state level, is that people must coalition build and organize around causes and issues yeah. uh, that they find to be personal and important to them. And the the political system responds to organization, action, agitation, and all of those things. And yeah. that's really how you, you leverage uh, your voice. Um, and I'm sorry, you have to leverage your voice to kind of do those things. Um, and you know, it doesn't have to be around really hot button issues. It can, you can start off with small issues, right? Mm-hmm. Car speeding in your neighborhood, you know, um, you know, the colors of the signs on your main street, you know, think quality of life issues. It doesn't have to be the more critical issues, but the same playbook applies to the more critical issues. You have to organize coalition build, um, and unite around issues that matter to people and communities. And I think that um, when people don't organize, all right, and 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 seek out and train and and look for leaders in the community and put them in position to advocate for their issues, that's when you 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 find out and you come across you know elected officials and and those who are interested uh, in in leadership in any form of leadership for. Um, for for issues that aren't genuine, right? And you know, for not for not godly gain, right? For some right. type of personal gain, you know. Right. Um, I've seen it, um, I've come across it, um, and I think that you know it's it's really, really easy to spot. Um, but I I will say I'm 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 hopeful and I'm insightful because I think that um in the last maybe four years, I've seen a younger generation a more yeah. really, really engaged and involved um group of i don't even i'm i think i'm like borderline generation uh x <laughs> millennial whatever yeah, it is i, don't I think even, i'm with you with that too i don't even know what the new generation is called <laughs> right uh, but i've seen like a younger more involved engaged politically astute um uh young adult who is who's challenging authority who is um going above and beyond what I guess the traditional youth and young adult were doing, just kind of getting involved in the process. Right. And they're really figuring out what issues matter to them on a number of different realms. And I, so that's what gives me hope that some of the challenges that you challenges that you just laid out, you know, they'll uh the future is bright because there are people that will hold elected officials accountable. And I think they're asking and raising some really critical questions about um about politics, about decency, about um, you know what it means to be a community, um, and stuff that we've talked about in our youth character and integrity, like how that applies to you know politics. And something you said, Jason, which is so right, is um, the government or the governing officials responding to what is organized. I think sometimes we go out with such ambition, but there's not a plan. Um, there's not uh, something that has been put in been put in place for us to t- strategically uh, bring about change and effective agitation uh, without bringing harm, but definitely bringing alertness uh, to how we feel about a lot of issues. I would almost believe that's one of the strategies uh, that has been successful in empowering Black communities uh, to reach beyond this uh, narrative of lack and struggle. You have our generation, which I would say probably millennials, 
Um, um, and again, I don't know the new name, my lack, excuse me, excuse me, audience or my lack of knowledge, but I think really our generation of people is kind of coming together and saying, okay, uh, we're going to continue on the fight. Uh, we're going to continue to march. We're going to continue to gather. We're going to continue to organize until changes are made. And I think we're dealing with a, uh, very intelligent and informative generation that knows what they are talking about. And it's good to see, uh, many of the younger generation rising up, um, as we lead and build strong African-American communities. I don't even know if I told the audience that was the main focus of this conversation, but I assume they deserve that from what we're talking about, that we're we're leading and building strong African-American communi- communities because we've come so far, man. Uh, we've come so far from what we've dealt with as a people, uh, from what we've had to overcome as a people, and to where I believe we're going. I believe that our voices are really starting to be heard. Uh, we still have to let it ring loud and uh, let it get into the hearts and into the minds of those who may kind of be um, still placing obstacles before us. But I think there's such a a tenacity with our people that um, it's inevitably uh, known that we're going to advance and grow and change the world. Um, I know you said that millennials more so the young people are are making the changes. Uh, What advice would you give to a young African-American man or woman who's listening to this podcast and say, hey, I really desire to make a change in my community. I understand um, that there's so much work to be done. Uh, where, where do they start? And you've kind of mentioned some of the things, but just kind of to bring everything in with what we discussed. If I'm an African-American man or woman and I'm young, I'm stepping out of college or just got to college and I want to make a change, uh, what's the best way to get involved? Because I know you served uh, with different political parties and things in New Jersey. So how did it go about getting involved? So, I, you know, I, I purposely didn't kind of run through like my resume uh, and I do that on purpose because I really don't like, you know, talking about myself in that way. Gotcha. Um, but I will I, I'll do that because uh, you asked and I think it's, it'll hopefully help someone. Um, and so for the last, I would say, four years, I've been uh, listed amongst New Jersey's most powerful African-Americans um, by a publication called Insider NJ, New Jersey, who um, uh, looks at, you know, the political landscape across the state of New Jersey at the local, state, and federal level. And, you know, I've been excited to be listed amongst some really powerful, uh, educated, and, and uh, influencers and really people who care about communities. So I've been happy right. about that. Um, I've been president of my local Urban League of Essex County Young Professionals chapter where we really focus on education, jobs, social justice. And, you know, one of the highlights of my experience there was that uh, there was a liquor store being built in a community that was really, really destabilized, had over uh, 20 uh, liquor stores, I guess, in like a very short, you know, mile radius. I can't remember what the number was, but um, we like successfully petitioned the local ABC board to get that, get that shut down. Um, I've worked for a local elected official uh, in the city of Newark as a policy advisor in the mayor's office um, and helped uh, create some really powerful legislation around landlord tenant laws to provide protections for um, the elderly, uh, the disabled uh, and individuals who are uh, in, in threat of uh, you know eviction and most just most vulnerable populations, um, as well as uh, the the new industry, the the cannabis industry, who uh, wanted to come to the city. You know, a lot of individuals who are who were locked up because of cannabis. You know, um, who were um, 
uh, taken to jail because of the war on drugs, you know, when the industry came here and they just passed legalization, you know, uh, you know, we petitioned heavy that, you know, our legislators to make sure that there was some restorative justice. You know, I've been around the block in terms of a lot of political conversations. You know, I'm a leadership Newark public policy fellow and I have a master's degree in urban affairs and public policy. Why did I just run through my resume, right? Why am I doing all this, <laughs> this self-promotion? <laughs> no, we need to hear it. Uh, not like those. So I would not have been accomplished, would not have been able to accomplish any of those things um, if I, I didn't, you know, seek out resources. Right. Um, and, you know, I did that through my education as a master's degree in urban affairs. But I think there's a book that would give a lot of your listeners and young people and adults and anybody um, some really great resources. It's called the Citizen's Manual, and it's produced by the Citizen's Campaign. You can find that online. Okay. Um, it's a really quick read. It's, I think it's less than 200 pages. It's, it's, a, it's a really quick read. But what it does is it educates the reader on a couple of different principles. One, communication, right? Communication. um, uh, Two, power, right? The power, particularly of uh, the local individual, as an individual, how you organize, right? Uh, Organization is is another aspect of it. Um, And the the final piece is presentation. Um, And the presentation part is... um, presenting your argument, presenting your issue to an actual public body, right? And coming to the table with a no-blame solution to get stuff done, right? right. And I think this this book is probably a good starting point. It's not the only resource, but I think it's, you know, for the person that wants to do something, for the person that wants to get involved, it's called the Citizen's Manual. Um, and I, I think it would be helpful for any of your listeners to quick, you might even be able to download it. And it's been a number of years since I've read it, but I think it's, um, uh, it, it's a great way for people, uh, regardless of age, to get involved, um, get a quick education on how to engage local elected officials, local elected bodies, but also how to think through the things that you want before you get to, you know, the big meeting Yeah. Um, and present an argument, present an issue and present opportunities to connect with your community uh, around solutions versus just pointing your finger and blame. Right. We right. always say that um, uh, politics is a full contact sport. Right. And um, but so is participating in democracy and uh, uh, an educated voter, an educated participant has to be prepared uh, to uh, to take advantage of the opportunities that exist for them to improve their communities. And so whether it be YouTube, whether it be like a formal class, whether it be working on a political campaign, I think that those are the uh, or ways that people can get involved, but you know that that's one resource that that I know that I trust that I would feel comfortable uh, sharing with people. You know it, it, that would you know give them an idea about you know one just how to think through what they care about. You know because right. you know what what do you care about? What matters to you? Is it education? Mm-hmm. Is it you know um, is it more community things? Is it clean streets? Is it crime? Is it you know is it drugs? Is it you know is it uh, 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 you know women's issues? Is it men's issues? Is it a whole lot of a host of other, is it taxes? Like, you know, getting this book will help you, you know, organize those thoughts in your head and also reach out to other people who think and are like-minded just like you, right? right. Get together 
and, and move on an issue in a strategic way that can help you see change, right? And even if you don't see change, move the needle uh, in, in a favorable direction. No, that, that, that's really good, man. And, and I'm glad you shared that uh, because I think there are a lot of people who have a passion, but they have to center that passion in uh, be proactive about learning all they can, whether that comes through resources, uh, something you mentioned, YouTube has a plethora of resources to provide you knowledge in, uh, in almost every area um, of life. And then just producing, man, I love using um, um uh, different words, almost so a pattern. So have passionate, uh, proactive, and produce. Jason uh, Grove, um, everybody. Um, if you're just um, now uh, catching his name, I mentioned quite a few times. Uh, he's been passionate about bringing about change in the community. He's been proactive, um, uh, obtaining his master's degree, and uh, we're gonna see what the future holds, Doctor Grove, <laughs> if that's a desire of yours, and then uh, producing so. Uh, impactfully in the community. Uh, so I encourage everybody listening to this, all of us have a responsibility to contribute to our communities. Um, and particularly if you are African-American, I think it's our duty to uh, contribute to the well-being, the advancement, uh, the social and economical development of our people. And um, Jason, I'm, I'm so glad, man, to have heard your voice because I really believe it's those who are going to take the baton of our ancestors and just move ahead and bringing about change uh, that will empower others as well to have those same desires uh, to change uh, lives and to uh, just be uh, one who can leave an impact that that's never erased. And, and man, I, I really believe that there's so much more that will come, f- uh, come from you. I'm looking forward to seeing, man, I don't know what your future plans are as it relates to politics, um, as it relates to um law and everything else, man, but I'm looking forward to seeing the impact you'll you'll make, uh, not only in Jersey, but around the world, man. Listen, man, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, you sharing uh, your knowledge, your wisdom, your heart with us today. There were so many things that you conveyed uh, that gives language uh, to those of us who are trying to lead and build in the African-American community. And um, I'm sure there's so much more that you could share. If, if someone wanted to connect with you and stay up to date with the amazing things happening in, in your life, um, how do they go about doing that? Do you have an Instagram, a Facebook, uh, something that they can connect with you, man? And, and if they had questions about additional things that they can reach out? Yeah, man, you can uh, please connect with me on uh, LinkedIn or Instagram, Facebook. That's where I'm, you know, most active. Um, usually just, you know, talking about what matters to me in the community and right. family and friends or just posting pictures of my son, right? Because that's what I do much lately. <laughs> right. Um, uh, but uh, I can definitely uh, be reached on uh, on uh, LinkedIn. You know, all my contact information is there, uh, email and telephone. You know, if there's a question about how I can be helpful or just share the information, uh, please feel free on Instagram. It's I am JCG, Jason Corey Grove. Uh, I am. Uh, and on, link, uh, excuse me, um, Facebook is just uh, Jason Grove. Please feel free, you know, send me a, send me a note. Um, I think I'm at my friend's limit on uh, Facebook. So maybe Instagram is probably, probably better. <laughs> right. Um, uh, yeah. Instagram and LinkedIn is probably like the two best uh, spots or even Twitter. I uh, I don't use it often, but you know, it's, de- it's definitely there. Um, you know, I, I'm always excited to talk to folks, you know, older or, or younger um, and just kind of like share ideas and, and share resources. I would also um, uh, inspire anyone to get involved with your local urban league. Um, the local urban league and the national urban league is the, um, 
uh, a great way to get involved locally. Um, I know uh, in Hampton Roads, the Urban League of Hampton Roads, um, I don't remember who exactly the president is now, but it's a great place to start with community service to get involved in the education, jobs, and social justice space. You know, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Um, today, actually, um, was the passing of one of the former executive directors, I believe, of the Urban League, Vernon Jordan, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, just a just a titan in the African-American community. Um, and so the, the National Urban League definitely lost a, a, a giant there. But um, if folks are interested in getting involved, you know, the NAACP and the National Urban League are great places. The Urban League also has a, a young professional organization, which is 21 to 40, that really focuses on training and cultivating uh, young civil rights leaders, young social justice leaders, and those that are um, looking for professional development opportunities. Um, and, you know, they have some amazing, amazing resources there as well and training for uh, folks in the 21 to 40 demographic. Um, and for folks like, you know, over 40, there's the Urban League Guild, who are really kind of like the the money makers and shakers, uh, folks that are you know, just more well-established uh, and, you know, really kind of uh, move the needle in, in, in different circles. And, and we connect the younger generation and, and the more established generations uh, to really move the needle forward, uh, advocating in communities, you know, helping uh, financial literacy programs, you know, advocating for police um, uh, accountability, um, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, financial uh, opportunity centers uh, or uh, early child, what do they call them, um, early childhood education centers that we operate around the United States, you know, uh, I would highly recommend getting involved in your local like Urban League chapters. That's awesome. And I was going to mention, um, I also, um, the Virginia Beach chapter of the NAACP in Hampton Roads, uh, is actually, actually a member of my church, Dr. Karen uh, Pruden. Uh, so if anyone wants to connect with with her and their team, uh, they're doing a lot of great things. And um, I, there's a lot of work to be done. We just have to get involved. Um, so please take um, take adherence to some of the things that Jason communicated. Jason, man, thank you again uh, for being a part of this discussion. Uh, family, if you haven't already, be sure to uh, follow Jason on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you haven't uh, done so already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast because I, I would rather grow with you uh, than grow alone. Uh, also, be sure to check out letsgrowjeff.com to purchase my Never Stop Growing t-shirt and visit amazon.com to purchase my Let's Grow 21 Day Devotion y'all have shown so much love uh, by investing in that and I hope you've been blessed by it um, you can look me up on Amazon for that book just type in Jeffrey Whitaker and it will come up for you to purchase I promise you you'll be transformed by the content lastly be sure to follow me on Instagram Jeffrey.Whitaker I'd love to connect with you until next time let's grow now and let's keep growing together I'm out <laughs>